talked about, we talked about fears, and you guys came and you were so obedient to come and place your fears in the basket at the foot of the cross. And I took them home, and we, wa- we walked through them, we prayed through them. And just a real just quick breakdown of some of the fears that were talked about last week. And I'm not going to talk about you personally and say it was you personally that shared this fear, but I fe- find you, you'll probably find yourself in these ones that I'll share. Fear of something happening to a family member, like I said, it was the number one. Fear of being homeless, failing God and failing your children, your spouse, or your family. Fear of large crowds, fear of cancer or some serious illness. Fear of your kids walking away from the Lord, not being able to provide for your family, being embarrassed, being unworthy of heaven. Fear of rejection, fear of your grades in school, fear of monsters, not knowing your calling from God. Fear of being made fun of, fear of the dark, being irrelevant or going unnoticed. Depression, never having children. Do you know there are people that we, we love and we have contact with and they're still waiting for that gift. And I just want, you to, I want to encourage you to pray that God will give them that incredible gift and just comfort them in the meantime. A violent crime, the unknown things that you cannot control. Zombies and scary shows. <laughs> Zombies, entering the real world and taking the next step of life. North Korea and the atomic bomb, not having fulfilled your purpose here on earth. Sharks, frogs, dying and leaving family behind. And then your heart being hardened and turning bitter towards God and others. Rational or irrational, those are some fears that we are walking around with. And so I was thinking... Uh, to myself, how do we live with those fears? What keeps us from curling up in a ball, in a fetal position, and just staying in our home and never leaving? Now, I'm not saying that's not an okay place to visit for a moment, but you cannot and you should not live there. It's just not practical, and it's not, it's not living out God's purpose for you. It's okay to be there and in that moment find God and find his peace and get the help that you need. But once you're able to stand up, then you've got to stand out and move and go forward and, and ask God to use you in the midst of that. Because your story that caused you to get in that ball in the first place is going to be powerful to minister to somebody else. Somebody else needs to hear your story, needs to hear the success, needs to hear the victory. These to even hear your struggle and your pain because they feel like they're alone and like they're the only one struggling with it. And now all of a sudden, two people are walking together instead of one and two can get a lot more accomplished than one can. Does that make sense? So it's so important that we share that with each other. Last week I talked about how God's perfect love is the thing that casts out fear. And it's his love that leads us to putting our hope and trust in Jesus, which Jesus is the only one that can rescue us from really the, the biggest fear of all mankind. And that should be spending eternity without God and separated from him. That should be the fear, uh, the greatest fear that we ever face. And we can face that fear by being saved by his grace, by putting our faith in Jesus. Faith comes first in the dictionary, by the way, <laughs> before you get to fear. And that's how God wants us to live during our time here on earth. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Daniel. I'll give you some time to find it. Just look through, find the book of Daniel. Okay, it's right after the book of Ezekiel. Okay, it's kind of towards the end of the Old Testament. 
And while you're searching for that, I'm just going to share a little bit. The first thing that I think of when I think about the word faith, I think about Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, actually, Hebrews chapter 11 is a great, uh, it's called the Hall of Fame of Faith. So many different characters in, in the Bible and the ways they walked in faith. But it says in Hebrews chapter 11 that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. So we live by faith, not by sight. We don't see it, but we have faith and we believe it. I mean, obviously, Caitlin, she saw me, she knew I was there, but she had to trust me enough to let go and fall back and to allow me to catch her. She needed, faith is, is a mutual thing between God and us. He does his part, we are then required to do ours, to walk in faith. This is what the ancients, it says, the people who have gone on before us, they were commended for their faith. And you can read all about them in Hebrews 11. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, right? We didn't see that happen. We weren't there, but we believe it and we trust and have faith that it occurred the way God says it occurred through his word. And it says that we understand it was formed at his command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. God just made it happen. We didn't have to have the evidence. We didn't have to see it with our own eyes. By faith, we believe that no matter what it is that we're going through, God can deliver us from it. Do you believe that? That, that includes all of those fears that I listed before. By faith, we believe that no matter what it is, the struggle that I'm going through, I heard a, heard a story this week um, about a, uh, a precious woman who has lost two husbands and she's lost two of her sons and right back to back from one another. And they were young men, tragic accidents, tragic things that occurred. And her son, her son that was helping me, just blessing me this week, um, he said, uh, mom, how do you do it? She just, she just, she says, I have no choice. This is what, you're, what we're called to do. We gotta keep moving, we gotta live by faith. And that's just one story out of many stories. We can unpack all of our stories here today. Every single one of us, we could come together, we could sit down and we could talk and we could share what, you, what it is that you're going through and the rest of us would be like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. I didn't, even, I didn't know you'd gone through that. Which is one more reason why you've got to get some other people around you to where you can walk this out together. Whether it be with your family, with a few close friends, you cannot live this life of faith in isolation. You need, we need one another. Hebrews goes on to say, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Like there is a blessing in our complete trust of God. It pleases him. Do you know that? Our faith pleases him. When we trust him, when we just believe in his word, God is pleased by that. And then it blesses us. Like it's a, it blesses him and it gives a return back to us. And I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. I'm not saying all these things are just to be, oh, well, just deal with it. That's not what I'm saying at all. Because faith really gets difficult when you're going through it. Last week, uh, Pastor Brady came up and we all gathered around. We prayed for the Johns family. We prayed for their precious little girls that were in the hospital at Children's Mercy. And then later on that week, little Elise, eight years old, she, she lost the battle. And I think Brady said today is the celebration of life 
So be praying for this precious family. And we know, as a church family, that pain. We walked through it about a year ago. We know that pain, the the loss. I'm a dad. And I prepare myself every single day of my life. And I'm not joking. Every single day of my life, I prepare myself for if something was to happen to one of my kids. I just go out with this mindset. God, help me walk in faith today if something was to happen to one of my kids. Help me believe and know that they know you, that they're going to be with you in eternity. Help me know that. Children, the best gift you can give your parents is the assurance that you know Jesus and that you want to walk with Jesus. It doesn't mean you have to walk in perfection because we didn't walk in perfection, so we get it, but we've been a little bit further down the road. We know how to look back and encourage you along the way. But let your parents know. And parents, make sure your children know the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether they want to listen to it or not, you don't have to beat them up with it. But you know what? You need to share it with them and you need to model it. Because if you're not modeling it, your words mean nothing. You've got to model that life for them. And it's got to be a priority. It's got to be a priority. Priority number one. It's the thing that matters the most. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little off track. But listen, your kid might be the best athlete in the school. And they might get a D1 scholarship and go on to play professional sports. But if they don't know Jesus, none of that means nothing. And I'm not, I'm not just being, I'm just telling you the truth. And it's reality. We, I, we, there was a thing on TV, I think it was on the news or whatever, where people spend thousands and thousands of dollars to make sure their kids play all these sports. They specialize in a sport when they're eight years old. And I'm not, be, I'm not stepping on to, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. But I'm just saying, the reality is, is their kid is awesome. And they spend so much time and money doing that that they've lost focus and track of the thing that matters the most. Now, in the midst of that, can you teach them about Jesus? Absolutely. You've got to be intentional. You've got to be really creative. You know, you can pray. And you can... I was there. I mean, my daughter was an athlete. She was really good. And they wanted her to play on every team, every competitive team, every whatever. And we had to split time. And there were times where I say, you know what? But you're going to go to church before you go. Or you're going to make sure you go to church the night before. Or you're going to make sure that we do this. Or let's pray before you go. I'm saying be creative. I'm not, I'm not being legalistic. Please don't hear me say that. But I'm saying it's a heart check for us. That faith has to be primary. Has to be the first thing that we teach our kids. And think about the people in Texas and Louisiana. Are they going through it? Do you think there's some good Christian people that got everything washed away? You know? Yeah, absolutely. They did. And so how are they dealing with this? They're walking by faith, right? They're walking in faith. So listen to this this quote by C.S. Lewis. If you know who C.S. Lewis is, he's pretty famous in the Christian world. He's a British novelist. He's gone now, but he wrote some incredible books, including one called Chronicles of Narnia, and those, those books, a series of books. And he said, God allows us to experience the low points of life in order to teach us lessons that we could learn in no other way. That we could learn in no other way. So 
I, need, I keep practicing this, and I'm, I'm trying to keep working on that. Um, but even in the lowest moments, I would encourage you to say, okay, Lord, man, what's it going to be? What's the lesson I'm going to learn, and how are you going to turn this around and to be an incredible blessing where when it happens, I'm like, whoa, you turn my how into wow. Do you approach life that way? I'm not saying bring on the rain and bring on the storm so I can suffer, but I'm saying when you're going through it, do you approach life that way? Listen, I'll be honest with you. I was there earlier this morning. I walked in. There was, we had some struggles getting stuff together and this kind of this and that, whatever. I was really frustrated. And in my flesh, in my weakness, I was ready to quit. I'm serious. I was ready to say, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to tell people I don't, I don't feel it today. <laughs> I don't want to play. Let's cancel the game. Do you believe I can be that way? And feel that way? Isn't it crazy how the enemy works? Man, I was just really struggling in my faith. And then Pastor Brady comes in. And if you're struggling in your faith and you want to be lifted up, just have a conversation with Pastor Brady, the other Pastor Brady, for just a short period of time. If he doesn't lift you up, you're dead, all right? That's just it. And even if you are dead, he might lift you up there too, all right? I've heard that story before in Mexico. But anyway, so... He prays this prayer. Listen, listen, I'm just praying. I'm just preaching whatever God puts on my heart at this moment, okay? It's not even in my notes. But listen, he prayed this morning. I was frustrated. I didn't even want to pray. And we were praying outside, and he prays. He's like, God, would you just change somebody's mind today? It's not too late. Like, they would just change their mind, and they would come to church today. Do you know what happened? That happened. You might be it. You might be, it's like, dude, that was me. How did he know? I had my slippers on, I had my paper in my right arm, you know, and then I changed my mind. There was, a, there was someone here today that they were going for a run, and God turned her around, told her, no, you need to be in church today. Is that a coincidence? No, that is Brady praying in faith and believing. I didn't even have enough faith to pray it, but I'm glad he did. And I was just like, amen, <laughs> I'm not, I have nothing, Amen. All right, man, we're running. There is no way we're going to get through all of this in time. Daniel, all right, let me, let me just do this. Just for, I want to honor you and I want to honor your time, but I want, just for the sake of, of time, there are three stories in the book of Daniel that I think speak of fear and great faith. Chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter 6, okay? My challenge is you to read it word for word for yourself. Not right now, or you can. You can just read the Bible and tune me out. That's fine, because you're going to get more out of the word of God anyway. 1, 3, and 6. The author is Daniel. He's a young man that's been taken captive, exiled into Babylon, taken out of Jerusalem, him and his friends. It's a story about four guys, right? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who then later become uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? You might know them more by those names if you're familiar with that. The fiery furnace, Daniel in the lion's den. All of this is coming back to you now. See, if, you're, if, you, if it's not coming back to you, that's why you need to be in Brady's class on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, right? So that these stories become familiar. So here's how it works. Daniel is, um, 
Daniel and his friends, they're taken out of exile. They said they were looking for young men, handsome, able to learn. Anybody here like that? Like we're, Jimmy and I, like we used to be young men, handsome, ready to learn. But now that's, those days are over, all right? Those days are over. So if you're a young man, handsome, ready to learn, okay, they pull them out. So for the rest of us that are not that way, we're safe. If they're coming, they're going to take people into exile. They're leaving us behind, all right? They're like, no, not you. All right, we'll take you. And so they, they take these guys. They take them into captivity. They begin to instruct and train them in the ways of their culture. Listen to me here. I promise you that's exactly what the enemy of your soul would love for you to, to do, is just be trained to look just like the rest of the world around you. You're going to teach them the language, to teach them the customs. It's going to teach them about sorcery and about all kinds of fortune telling and all kinds of things. They're going to brainwash them. And they're going to start out by changing their diet. They're going to mess with their diet. But even though there was maybe a sense of fear for even asking, Daniel wasn't one of those guys afraid of asking for the discount. Instead, Daniel said, uh, I would ask that, uh, that you will just test us and allow us to eat nothing but vegetables and water for 10 days and see if we're not healthier than the other guys. All right, this is in Daniel chapter 1. And it says, Daniel resolved, chose not to defile himself with the king's food. He chose to walk by faith. And just trust that God was going to deliver him in the midst of this. And you know what happened as a result of Daniel saying, I don't want to go that direction. I would rather do this. Daniel and his buddies were blessed. And they were actually given power, uh, positions of power. Which proves to be pretty uh, um, effective as the rest of the story goes along. So look at Daniel chapter 3. All right, So that was 1. Daniel chapter 3. Now you have... This testing of what is now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those three guys, were their names were changed. And I love this real quick. Um, in the beginning, Daniel's name means God is judge. Hananiah's name, the Lord shows grace. Mishael, his name was who is what God is. You know, it's kind of like, I am what God is. That's like, that's our desire. That's our, that's our goal. I am what God is. And Azariah's name was the Lord helps. But you know, in this culture, they changed their names. They wanted to give them a new identity. That's prophetic. Don't let, don't let the world change your identity. Don't let your friends, young people, listen to young people, do not let your friends change your identity. If you start being molded and shaped to look just like them, Unless your friends are all walking with the Lord and you guys are encouraging one another, you can see characteristics of each other you'd want to be more like. But don't change your identity based on your peer group. Be who God created you to be. And so, so in this story, they, it goes like this. The king says, I'm going to build this incredible statue because I want everyone to worship me. That's what it comes down to. He said, I want everybody to worship me. And it gets reported that these three guys are refusing to do that. And look at uh, chapter 3, verse 13. Got to take my glasses off so I can see it here. 
Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men who were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not want to serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Is it true? Is it true that you don't want to be conformed to this worldview that everybody else has around you? Is it true that you want to be different? You know, for us, to be different, to be set apart, can sometimes be weird. <laughs> Just be weird. Like, man, I don't know why you think that way. Why do you live that way? It doesn't make sense. Nobody else is living that way. But different, instead of being weird, can be wow. It can be so wow that it actually changes those around us. It says Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, which it feels like we're in one today, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. Okay, real quick, close your eyes, and I want you to think about whatever it is that you're going through at this moment. Do you believe in faith that the God you serve is able to save you from it and he will receive you um, or receive you from the enemy's hand. That he will protect you and rescue you. Do you believe that? But he says, but even if he does not, we, we want you to know, king, we will not serve you, serve your gods, or worship the image of gold that you have set up. We're going to walk by faith. We don't know what it's going to look like. We just know that we know that we have to walk by faith because that's what we believe. God has been faithful to us in the past. He's going to be faithful to us in the future. So the story goes on, and it says they bound the men up. The king was mad. He heated the fire up seven times hotter than it is before. He bounds them up. He throws them into the flame, and they literally, they're, they're not harmed at all. Not a hair on their head is singed. Which seems to be incredibly impossible, apart from God, obviously. I can't even open up my grill preheating it and not singe the hair on my arms. I mean, like, and it just smells weird, right? You know, so they came, they, while they're in there, it says that uh, the king looked up and was like in amazement because he looked up and said, wasn't there three that we put in? But now we see four. Well, the fourth one, was Jesus himself. He says it looks like the sons of God. It looks like the son of God. It's Jesus himself walking with them through the fire, all right? Is there something there that can help you today, what it is that you're going through, that we sing in the song, walk with me, that Jesus walks with you through this? And I know this seems so cliche-ish and pie in the sky, but it's the truth. If we put our faith and trust in him, if we reach out our hand and say, Jesus, walk with me. I can't do this on my own. Apart from Jesus, they would have burned up. It would have been over for them. But God delivered them because of their faith. It says they didn't have even the smell of fire on them. And this is what Nebuchadnezzar said right at the end of chapter 3 and verse 28. It said, then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, sent, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. Hear, hear this. They trusted in him 
and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any God except their own God. So here's the wild part. If that wasn't enough, therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubbish for no other God can save in this way. Amen? No other God can save in this way. And without my glasses on, you're all a big blur to me, all right? But, but to God, he knows you and he sees you. He knows you and he sees you. And there is no other God, there is no other thing that you can choose to put your worship in and your trust in that will deliver you like this. And you can spend the rest of your life trying to find it. You can't. But you won't because it's not there. It's just not there. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon because there is a blessing in your obedience here on earth and in heaven. There's a blessing. All right. You can read about Daniel and the lions in because it's the same kind of story. Fear and faith, and faith wins. In chapter 6, we only have time to go there. I'm going to finish with this. May the worship team go ahead and come on up. Maybe God is calling you to a radical act of obedience. Maybe it's not nearly as, as daunting as a fiery furnace or a lion's den full of hungry lions. But maybe God is calling you. He's put something on your heart. Maybe the radical act of obedience was just getting here today. It was just showing up this morning. That was as radical as I could get, Brady. That was it. Hey, good job. Good first step. <laughs> now keep moving. There's a guy named Craig Groeschel who is a pastor of Life Church. He's really a dynamic speaker. And this is one of his tweets this week. He said, a bold faith will empower you. Okay, did you hear it? A bold faith will empower you. Do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were empowered after they walked out of that furnace? Man, nothing can stop us. Because <laughs> God is with us. If God is for us, who can be against us, right? A comfortable faith will enslave you. Hear it again. A bold faith will empower you. A comfortable faith will enslave you. Are you living boldly or are you living comfortably? Are you living boldly or are you living comfortably? Maybe your first radical act would be to come forward today and put your faith in Jesus. Pastor Brady will be up here. 
Pastor Brady has a, a unique way of just being able to share the gospel and just make it so clear. Listen, we do this every week and we challenge people and I am challenging somebody to be bold today. Just be bold today. Don't be afraid. And I know this sounds hellfire and brimstone, but I would fear hell, hell more than fear this moment. I will not stand before the Lord and have him say, you didn't preach the gospel at your church. Why didn't you preach the gospel? can't so maybe your first act of obedience is say I don't know Jesus and I want to know Jesus today you come and you talk to Brady and, it's, and once everybody gets down there he'll, he'll walk you through it and give your heart to Jesus right now maybe your radical act of obedience is I, I, I'm still holding on to this fear Brady and I need to place it into his hands I need to choose faith over fear maybe that's what you need to pray for maybe just between you and the Lord, you can come and say, I mean, last week we placed him in a basket, but maybe this week you need to place it in his hands. A bold faith will empower you. A comfortable faith will keep you right where you're at.